this ministry by the mercy of God. We do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the word of God. May he add his blessing to it and, uh, and to Eric as well as he comes to deliver God's word today. Mic is on. Good morning, everyone. My name is Eric. I wanted to add my personal greeting to all of you this morning. Welcome to Redeemer. If this is your first time here with us, special greeting to, to you. If this is your multiple times here, well, welcome back to you. So whether you are here in person or virtually, Glad, glad that you are here. Glad that we'll be able to kind of unpack the word, the word of God with you this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to be here, so well, welcome again. So we've been on the book of Second Corinthians for a while now. I wanted to just give you a little bit of context here, so so we don't get. Too many of this uh, this day, uh, but power outages uh, or you know or blackout, uh, we, we we don't have it here. Uh, but many of you know I, I did not grow up here, so so this is I grew up in in a country in a developing country where we had way too many of this uh, when I was growing up uh, as a little kid. Uh, so. My family lived just outside of a big city. Uh, it's a big, growing city at that time. So this is back in the 80s. Uh, so infrastructure was obviously very unstable. Uh, so electricity was very, very unstable. So it's always too much demand for the supply that, you know, that the city had. So as a result, uh, blackout or power outages uh, it, you know, were, were a very common occurrence uh, when I was growing up. So I would say probably on average, you know, there's a stretch, you know, in a couple of years when I was, you know, in grade school in a, in a, in a, in a stretch where, you know, on average, a couple evenings, we would, we would have this complete shadow of, uh, of electricity. Uh, and it would last, you know, obviously in the evening hours when everybody turned on their switch and turned on their, uh, you know, television or whatever it may be. And then it would last it until the morning hours of, of the next days. Uh, so, so we would live with candles and you know oil lamp that that sort of things, uh, and of course things like this drove people crazy, right? I mean, you couldn't watch television, you couldn't do whatever whatever else that you needed. Uh, but I do, I did, you know, uh, like this blackout, uh, this power outage for one very simple reason. Uh, so, if we did have these power outages, uh, we did get 
you know, a pass from our teacher uh, if we were to have homework for the next day or whatever it may be, if they were a task uh, in, the, in the following day, we were exempted uh, for turning them in because, hey, this is not our control. You know, electricity, oh, I, couldn't, I couldn't do my homework. So, so our teachers understood that and then, you know, they, they, would, give us, uh, they would give us a pass. Uh, to a certain extent, I would very much welcome this darkness, right? Dealing this darkness to me it's a lot more convenient than dealing with my homework or getting ready for a test and so on. Uh, so I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this message because I think this rings through spiritually to us as well. Uh, you know, for, you know, for myself, uh, maybe for many of you, living in sins, living in spiritual darkness uh, you know, it could be very convenient, a lot more convenient than dealing with, with otherwise. Uh, so that's kind of what we're, uh, the, the, the passage that we're having today. Uh, so today's reading, as just was read a minute ago, is really about light in the darkness. Uh, so Paul, in this little passage that, you know, that we have today, speaking about a light, you know, specifically light of the gospel. Uh, so he speaks about faithful gospel ministry. Uh, so there are a couple things uh, I wanted to unpack today as, as we uh, spend our time together. So, so the first thing is the nature, the nature of this ministry, the nature of this, you know, gospel ministry. And then the second thing is the reason for, for the ministry. So just a couple things there. So first one... We read that therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. So it begs the question, so what is this ministry that Paul talks about? So you will notice that there's a connecting word at the beginning of this sentence, the word therefore. So it signifies there's a continuation or conclusion from the previous section. So what Paul talks about here, this ministry, right, this ministry in quote, refers to the new covenant ministry. Uh, so this is as compared to the old ministry, the old covenant ministry under Moses. Uh, so the new covenant ministry that Paul talks about here is a ministry that centers on Jesus. It has Spirit-transforming power, it brings life and righteousness, it brings, you know, excitement, uh, but it also includes eschatological hope, right? So there's a future of this ministry. If you were with us last week, uh, Pastor Mark talked about this all-surpassing glory of this ministry. Now, if we talk about ministry today, right, we often said, ministry in the context of church, right? So you heard about some of this ministry uh, that had been, you know, that Redeemer had been partnering, that, you know, mission trip and all that kind of stuff. So, in fact, last weekend, uh, a number of ministry leaders, you know, at Redeemer, they got together at Redeemer House. They pounded, you know, vision and mission, their strategic thinking for next few years. Uh, so the ministry often said in the church context, what I would suggest though this morning, the ministry that Paul is speaking today 
is, is larger than just this, you know, four squares of the building of church, right? So Paul refers to, you know, when, when he says ministry, he really refers to how we conduct our, our daily life. I would even argue it's fair to say that Paul also make a reference to ongoing transformation that we have, right, while we are here on earth. Again, from last week, you may remember this verse. So this is the concluding verse from, from last week, from the previous chapter. Paul talked about, you know, we with unfilled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So if there's one word to sum it up altogether, the, the word that I would choose would be Christ-likeness. So, you know, theologically, we would refer to that word as sanctification. Uh, you heard that word as well uh, last week. Uh, the question here is, how does one become Christ-like? Uh, I think that's an ongoing journey, right? Ongoing transformation. Uh, it's, it's a very difficult question. So how does one become Christ-like? So the closest analogy that I can come, with, uh, come up with, uh, you, you may remember, some of you may be old enough to remember this, uh, but back in early 90s, uh, uh, Gatorade, Gatorade, the energy drink, so you know, if I say Gatorade, I think some of you recognize uh, Gatorade came up with this slogan uh, in their advertising. Their slogan, if you remember, is very simple. Be like Mike. So Mike, in this case, of course, is Michael Jordan, one of the best athlete, basketball player ever, uh, ever live, uh, ever walk on this you know, planet, right? So the idea of this slogan is, 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 very, is very simple, but it's very clever. So, so basically, the idea here is, you know, we become what we watch, right? So we watch what we love, and then we become like what we watch. So if you are uh, a basketball player in early 90s, uh, you watch Michael Jordan playing, you know, on television or in person, it's very natural that you wanted to become like Mike, right? Becoming like Michael Jordan, right? So Michael Jordan uh, was famous uh, and I, I grew up watching Michael Jordan as well. So Mike, Michael Jordan would stick his tongue out, you know. And then, you know, as you go outside, you know, looking people playing, people who wants to become like Michael Jordan, they would start sticking their tongue out because be like Mike, right? So, so you know, you realize, we, you know, we thought, you know, we kind of process that in our brain, we start acting like what you watch, what we watch, and then you start, you know, well, in the case of Gatorade, the hope is, you know, you start drinking what Mike is, you know, Michael Jordan is drinking. So the idea here is you become what you watch, right? Uh, so the same thing. So the same thing with what Paul's saying here. Uh, how do we become like Christ? How does one become Christ-like? Well, beholding, that's the key answer, right? We become Christ-like by beholding Christ, by seeing Christ, observing Christ, soaking in Christ. Uh, and that's what Paul is talking about, you know, when he speaks about ministry of the covenant, right? So be like Christ and, you know, and you are part of the ministry. So that's, that's from last week. So Paul is expanding on that concept. And then in the passage that we're reading today, you know, we, 
we, we, you know, Paul expanding on, so what does that mean, right? So what does that mean to become, you know, to become part of this ministry? So the nature of the ministry that Paul is talking about is on the same verse. So Paul here, on the same very verse, he says, we do not lose heart. So it's important to remember that all aspect of your life is a ministry, right? So, you know, whether you have a special function in church, uh, you can consider yourself in the ministry. And it's also worth to note that the word ministry itself, uh, in the very simple word, it's a word meaning that, that, that means giving assistance, you know, or, or lending help, right? Uh, the, the Greek word for ministry is uh, diakonia, which is from, you know, from the very English word, we have the word deacon today. Uh, so, so, so Paul recognized here in this verse as you may, you may recognize as well, right, that the ministry is very hard and challenging, right? I don't think everybody would argue with me if I say that this ministry is very hard and challenging. And how do we know that? Paul says here, implicitly says that, do not lose heart. Uh, in fact, it's, uh, it's interesting that this whole chapter, chapter 4, is, you know, opens and closed by the same word, which is, do not lose heart. So the very same verse is repeated in verse 16, uh, very same phrase repeated in verse 16, so we do not lose heart. So Paul recognized that being in the ministry, being in the service, uh, is very hard and challenging. And, you know, we take Paul's word, uh, and we know, we know that because Paul is a perfect example of somebody who persevered uh, despite apparent failure. So we've been going through the book of Corinthians. The people in a church that he planted, the people in Corinth, was not exactly stellar, right? So the people in Corinth, they stumbled pretty badly. Uh, so Paul himself, he went to prisons a number of times. And then, you know, you throw in shipwrecks, you throw in beatings and betrayals, and you kind of get a picture of, you know, pretty, you know, pretty difficult ministry. Uh, but yet, we also recognize, we also understood from uh, New Testament that Paul's ministry goes only from strength to strength. And a big part of it, I would argue that it was credited to the fact that Paul relies solely on the mercy of God during his ministry. So to Paul... In this verse, having this ministry by the mercy of God, to Paul, he believes that God alone give this ministry and God alone sustain the ministries. So that's the comfort that we have. So while this ministry, wherever God placed you today, while the ministry is hard and challenging and troublesome, we can comfort, we can take comfort, we can persevere in that ministry by relying on the mercy of God. Because at the end of the day, the ministry that we have today, wherever God calls you today, this is the ministry of God. And we do have the mercy of God.
So here's a quote from R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul is, you know, uh, author and, and, and speaker and pastor commenting on this phrase. When enduring the dark night of the soul, we come very close to despair. Despair crowd in on us, but does not finally absorb us. The Christian may fail, may feel faint in heart, but he does not lose heart completely. Though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. The anchor of the saint is his experience, listen to this, of God's tender mercy every morning. Though assurance may stumble and crash for a season, the Holy Spirit revives it again and again and again. So that is the picture of us persevering in God's mercy. So something to remember for us this morning, whatever God called you today, while you're doing ministry, as hard as it can be, as challenging as it can be, realize that you're, you are in the ministry, first of all, because God's mercy in you. So what else do we learn about this ministry that Paul talks about? We learn that the ministry requires a high degree of integrity. So this is from, first, from the second verse. We have renounced these graceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So what Paul is expressing here is when, when we are doing our ministry, it is important for us to remember to being, you know, it's, it's, remember, it's, it's extremely important for us to being honest with God, for, you know, also with the people around us, the people we minister to, and also with yourself. And this is interesting because this is in the backdrop of Paul facing direct accusation against him. So in the context of this chapter, Paul was facing criticism so people in Corinth thought that he was a hypocrite, that Paul you know, had a corrupt and shameful life, that Paul had a, you know, Paul, and not only Paul, but Paul and his ministry team had a hidden agenda. It's also in the context that Paul dealt with, in those days, there are false teachers in the church at Corinth. So what Paul is doing here is drawing contrasts between his ministry, between his team's ministries, and that of those false teachers. Which is quite ironic because, you know, as I mentioned before, this is the church that Paul founded, and then now he had to defend against the same exact people that he, you know, that he planted. So... Same reminder for us this morning, right? So as we minister to those around us, often we are faced with temptation, you know, to give people what they wanted to hear uh, rather than what they need. 
So the reminder from Paul from this verse this morning to us is that our job in our ministry is simply to serve Christ, not to accommodate our message to the culture. What that means is that we don't trick people, we don't force people, we don't bend the truth, you know, try to get people to see the, the, way, the, the way that we see things. Uh, we don't manipulate people, right? And we also don't manipulate the message. As Paul said, we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. So there's no hidden agenda in our ministry. So we serve with full integrity. And then we serve authentically. Some of you know Mahatma Gandhi. So Mahatma Gandhi was a leader in India. So one time, you know, he was interviewed uh, by, you know, by a Christian. And the question was very simple. How can Christianity make a stronger impact on your country? How can Christianity make a stronger impact on your country? So Gandhi very thoughtfully replied. He, you know, he he is a man of very few words. Uh, he thought, you know, he thoughtfully replied with two things. Uh, first, Christian must begin to live more like Jesus. And secondly, the Christian faith should be presented without any adulteration, without any corruption. It has to be pure just as it is. To Gandhi, that is the only way to make Christianity having an impact, not only on your life, but also in the life of others. So now that we know kind of the nature of this ministry, the question that we face is, so why do we even care about this ministry, right? So what is the driving force of this ministry? What is the reason for this ministry? In verse 3 and 4, we read that even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. So, and then to keep from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I want you to notice here the tenderness with which Paul talks about those who do not believe in the gospel yet. So Paul doesn't despise or demean those people, so he doesn't accuse them of being ignorant. Uh, so Paul simply recognized that he sees the glory of the gospel, but there was a time in Paul's life when he did not see the glory of the gospel but there's even something more striking to me in this, in this verse. So Paul doesn't look at the unbelievers and say that they are the enemy, right? So Paul recognized that the actual enemy who is blinding the mind of the unbelievers is not the unbelievers himself, right? That's his argument in, in verse 4. The God of this world has blinded the mind of the unbelievers. So there's something for us to remember as well this morning. As we do interact with 
our friends who are unbelievers, they are not our enemies. So someone else, somebody else is at work to keep those unbelievers from coming to Christ. There's an actual person, right, making an effort behind the scene to keep people in the dark. As Paul refer here as the God of this world, ultimately that is Satan uh, work in his, in, in his earth, right? Uh, the devil pa- actively participates, blinding the minds of those who don't believe in Jesus. So I think that alone is a reason for us to be excited in our ministry. Uh, First Peter said that the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Be alert and sober mind. So, you know, if, if you are involved in any sport in your life, you know that if your enemy is good, if your enemy is powerful, the race, you know, your stake is raised higher, right? You, you get more excited playing them. Uh, so this is the same thing, right? What Paul arguing here is there is a real enemy, and this enemy is a good one, a persuasive one. So we need to up our game here. So that's why we're ser- we can be serious in our ministry of the new covenant uh, because we are facing a real enemy. And then lastly, in real Lastly, real quick, in verse 5 and 6, Paul also gives us the reason why he's so passionate about his service, about his ministry to the Lord. And the reason being is because of the message itself. So Paul says that what we proclaim, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul is saying here, it's not all about me, it's, all about, it's not about my team, but it's all about Christ. Continue on, Paul says that the same God who spoke light into existence when nothing was around, God who said, let light shine out of darkness, this is a reference to Genesis, what Paul is saying here, that same very God, that same creative God who was back in the day creating light to begin with, that same God, now the power, by the power of the word of the Father, he's speaking again. He's speaking by sending light. And listen to this, he's shining in our heart to give the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I love that little phrase there in the end, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So if you ever lack motivation to do your ministry, again, in recognition that ministry is hard and challenging and, you know, you know you're facing a lot of difficulties uh, on the road, that little phrase right there, something that you want to underline, right? That little phrase of glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, that is the reason why you can get excited about all that you do. You know, your service, your ministry, because in the days, right, in the coming days that you will gaze upon the glory, the invisible glory of God in the face of the human being, Lord Jesus. You may remember from the previous chapter, the old covenant 
ministry is Moses, right? Moses was the representation. Moses got his glory, but his glory kind of got boring over time, right? People got tired of it, you know, began to fade away over time. Uh, but the picture that we are seeing here on this verse is a completely different picture here. The glory of Jesus will never fade away. And that is our eternal hope, to gaze upon the glory of God in the face of Christ. So I want to close this morning with the story about Hudson Taylor. So Hudson Taylor, you may recognize the name. Hudson Taylor was a British missionary to China in the 1800s. So he got called when he was 17. There was a burning desire in his heart. At the age of 21, he sailed to China for the very first time. Uh, he did not land uh, right away in China. His sh ship kind of got, you know, tossed around, but eventually he landed in China. Uh, and then he was the very first missionary to inland China, uh, which at that very time was very uncommon. So the missionary to China back in his day was all kind of on the outer China because that's, you know, kind of the easy place to get to and whatnot. But Hudson Taylor uh, chose to be different, so he wanted to go inside China. And, and again, there was a very, very risky move uh, on his part. Uh, so Hudson Taylor, you know, was a guy who understood that ministry is hard and challenging. So in fact, it cost Hudson a lot to share gospel in China. So his first wife died, died very at the young age, and then four of his eight children passed away also at young ages because of various illness. And Hudson himself suffered from bad health and depression. But again, Hudson also different because in spite of these challenges, he persevered. So by all said and done, in his 50 years, 51 years service in China, going back and forth from China to, uh, you know, to Great Britain, he founded this organization called China Island Mission and then brought a ton of missionary to the field and then he was credited you know, for some staggering number. 35,000 were his own convert and then he baptized more than 50,000 people because of his ministry in China. So this is his picture, his and his team picture. What also made Hudson different was that he understood how to share the gospel authentically. So the traditional, you know, quote-unquote, traditional Chinese missionaries back in his day was very much taking in the form of, you know, English company, right? So typically they were diplomats or, you know, taking a disguise of a businessman and then they would go to China and share the gospel. Uh, but for Hudson, that, that was not his way, right? He chose to be authentic. Uh, so he lived like local, he ate like local people, 
he dressed like local, kind of like what you saw there on the picture, uh, but he shared the gospel as it is. There's no sugar coating. This is how he was described in his uh, obituary. So Taylor, Hudson Taylor, accommodated himself to the culture, custom, dress, and speech of the people. But the word of the cross remained uncompromised and unembellished. In this regard, there are no shortcuts. And lastly, what got Hudson Taylor kept going and going and going, 51 years service there, is only one simple reason, because he was so very passionate about the gospel, because the gospel is about Christ to him. I'm going to leave you with his own word here this morning as we close our time together. So this is from his biography. He says, The abiding, not striving, nor struggling, looking off unto him, trusting him for present power, trusting him to subdue all inward corruption, resting in the love of an almighty Savior, Christ, literally, all seems to me now the power, the only power for service, the only ground for unchanging joy. So that is my prayer to all of us this morning. May there be a desire of ours this morning. As you go to the place that God has called you, as you conducting your own ministry, as you are serving others, to have the unchanging joy in Christ. That is our prayer. That is our desire in our ministry. To ultimately bring glory, honor to God the Father. Let us pray.